All right, and welcome to the Dynasty War Zone, episode number 87, which is entitled Redraft Fantasy Football, Draft Theory, and Mock Draft Preview. You are listening to the Dynasty War Zone, the people's dynasty and fantasy podcast, and I am your host, Memphis, at DFF Memphis. So before we get into the show, the sponsorship read, all that, I just want to say that the one-man catastrophe of a podcast is now a two-man. But before I introduce my new permanent co-host, I want to take a quick minute and thank everybody. About three months ago, I took over the war zone on my own after a great run with Sheps and Jernigan, but those guys had other interests to pursue. So uh, couldn't have made it through the last three months without all the amazing guests that I've had, and there's too many to list. But I'm not going to go down that. So before we get into tonight's show, I want to introduce to you, and this gentleman was on, I believe it was episode 75, and he is going to be my new co-host going forward uh, until I run him off too. Please welcome to the show Mr. Jerry Sinclair, at Jerry Sin DFF on Twitter. Jerry, welcome to the show, sir. So glad to have you as a, uh, as a tag team partner. It is so good to be here, man. And it was not a catastrophe for those months. I don't know what you're talking about. I'm just hoping that I can be a good backup for you. I hope I'm in the level of Nick Foles, not so much Paxton Lynch. Oh, I was so hoping you were going to say Paxton Lynch, because if you didn't, I did. Well, man, I appreciate those kind words, and uh, I'm going to make sure to keep at least six of those guys alive longer than me, because those guys, the last three months, they've carried my ass this far. I'd sure like to give them the opportunity to be my pallbearer and finish the job. So... Listen, uh, tonight and in the next couple of shows, Jerry and I are going to be exploring the world of redraft. No matter what form of fantasy football you play currently, more often than not, you started with a a, a home league, a neighborhood league, uh, you know, just a basic ESPN Yahoo league. And I I think that's the gateway drug of dynasty, excuse me, a fantasy football that we all get sucked into at some point. And that's by far the most popular point of, of where we're at with fantasy football. So I read a, read a st- statistic that said over 33 million people in America play fantasy football. And of that, 6 million are women. So we want to make sure that even though we're a dynasty-based podcast, that over the next couple of weeks, we're going to get redraft on you. And then that last week, going into the regular season, uh, that Wednesday, we're going to kick, our, kick off our week one 2018 show and then that thursday the first game of the week we're going to have a a daily fantasy special so before i get on to all of that and what we're doing tonight i want to talk about our friends over at gt bets so over at gt bets right now they are running all kinds of specials now there's a special we've talked about for months where you get a 100 percent sign up bonus for your first deposit up to 500 bucks the usual. You donate, you, you deposit 500, they match it with 500 on your very first deposit. On your second deposit, if you deposit, say, 200, they're going to match it with a 50% match and you're going to go from 200 to 300. Uh, another thing, you get a half a point on two teams in each of the following leagues the NFL, college football, NBA, and basketball. So I just wouldn't get the Colts, and Jerry just wouldn't get the Lions. I would get the Colts and maybe the Raiders. And then, you know, you get two in the NCAA football, two in the NBA, two in college. And a half point's a big deal if you're a a bit of a better. So a couple of specials right now on their casino. They're running double rewards on the game of the month for August, which is Ogre Empire, which is a five-reel 3D slot game. There is weekly 10% casino rebates and a 15% horse racing rebate. So we are past business time. Uh, One last thing I want to talk about before we get into the meat of the show is that the Dynasty Warzone Listener League is in full effect. We've already got two members on top of Jerry and myself. And how do you want to get into this league? It's real simple. Do what these guys did. Go to iTunes. Leave us a five-star. Leave your name, your Twitter handle. uh, Screenshot that five-star review. Tag me. I'll add you to the list. And if we have at least eight reviews that are new, then we'll have a 10-man league. If we get 12, we'll go to 12. 
and we're willing to go to 16. So get over to iTunes. If you don't have an account, you can create one long enough to rate and review not only this podcast, but all of your fantasy-based podcasts. So Jerry, tell everybody about how you got started in redraft and uh, what this show means to you, talking about some redraft theory and a mock draft preview, which we're doing on Friday. You were right when you said that it's sort of the gateway drug to fantasy. Uh, I started 2006. The first player I ever had was LaDainian Tomlinson the year he broke the touchdown record. So as you can imagine, having him made me love the game because it was great. This game's easy. Until, yeah, right? Until I was a bozo and traded him after week four. So he had uh, he had two weeks in a row where he didn't do anything. I traded him. Not I was playing against people that had played. I was, what was I, 17? And he ended up scoring seven touchdowns the next three weeks, and I get made fun of today for it. Um, but yeah, I actually have my my longest running league with all my my friends. Uh, that draft is on Saturday. It's just, I don't know. It's just it's nice to get everybody together and we talk. You know, so we're not not all of us live around each other. We can't go and play some basketball or do anything like that, and sort of rub some dirt in your friend's face. So it's sort of nice to do that or swindle them on a trade. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Dynasty. I love Redraft. It's I just love this time of year. But Dynasty sort of forms into Redraft this time of the year because it's only you're worrying about the season. You're not necessarily totally working rookies and free agents and that sort of thing. It's sort of, okay, I got to win this matchup. I got to win this matchup. I got to do this to win the playoffs. You know, so... I mean, I I like it. I'm super excited. I've got a ton of leagues. I like redraft. I know a lot, a lot of dynasty guys are sort of hipstery when it comes to it. They like to avoid redraft or look down on it. I'm not that person. Give me all the teams I can get, draft and all I can do. Yeah, I, I think it's always good to remember where you came from. I, my first entry into fantasy football was in 1998. My uncle got me involved in a league that disappeared about two years ago we almost had a 20-year run and then we'll talk about this toward the end of the show but we have a very special mock draft redraft mock draft special for you guys on friday as a bonus episode and i like to call him he is uh if i am kyle from the ff fellas then he would be my seth he uh he and i have been in leagues together for years we're going into our 15th year of a redraft league that we started when we first started working together many many years ago and that's in a couple of weeks, and I think I'm going to record that live as another bonus as well. But right now is a great time. You know, when, when Jerry and I start the week one show, uh, literally that will start the Wednesday before week one, you know, we'll talk about some advanced dynasty theory, about things to look for with trades and bargain players and, you know, rocks to turn over. But right now, man, we just want to, we just want to get into some redraft. But before we do that... Uh, you know, now that I got the new equipment, I got to get a fancy news drop like Jernigan. I'll promise to have that for uh, for next week's Wednesday show. But let's get into the bad news of the week. Get it right out of the way. Talk about Darius Geis. Darius Geis tore his ACL last week in a meaningless preseason game, and I, you know, don't get rid of him. I'll, I'll speak on that from a dynasty standpoint. Make people pay for him if they really want him. Make him make them pay for him what you pay for him. He's still worth the same. I'll go back to Dalvin Cook last year. Dalvin Cook played four games, and his ADP did not go down. His ADP actually went up from the time that he got injured to the time that the season started this year. So you won't get as much game action as Dalvin Cook got last year uh, to, to build your case for Geis, but I'm not moving him. He's a special talent, a big fan, and my pick – to take over that job, at least by week four or five, will be Samaj P. Ryan. But, Jerry, where are you at with this Darius Geis situation and the Washington running backs? Uh, honestly, you hit everything I was going to say. I, I was going to bring up Dalvin Cook because he's the exact same sort of situation. And the thing about the thing about Darius Geis that just kills you is the run where he got hurt. He looked awesome. That was an awesome run. And then he goes down and he says he's all right and, Okay, and they get the MRI, and I got Jogged the notification. off the field. Yeah, I got the notification. I was just like, no, don't do that. But, yeah, I'm also a Samaj P. Ryan guy. Actually, I was a uh, – regretfully or not, I was a huge Samaj guy last year. I was advocating for him pretty pretty early in rookie drafts. 
So he he would be the guy I'm going to go to also. But yeah, I would definitely not be selling Darius. And the the few leagues, because, you know, when someone of that caliber gets hurt, you got to throw some offers out. So I threw a couple out, and I, I was actually proud of the community because they did not bite. They did not bite on my less than superior offers. Too many quality shows like the Dynasty Warzone killing our action. Well, let's move from the East Coast to the West Coast, and we got a, a plethora of people to talk about in San Francisco. So George Kittle and Matt Breda are both dealing with shoulder injuries, but the good news there is neither one appear to have any structural damage and both look to be on track for week one. And then on Sunday, Jarek McKinnon went down with what looked like a knee injury, but it ended up being a calf strain. And it looks like you probably will not see much work between now and week one. I don't know that there's even a guarantee that McKinnon will be ready for week one, and they brought in Alfred Morris as a camp body. I'm not worried about this. I never thought Jarek McKinnon was going to carry a full load. He hasn't done it the last two years when Adrian Peterson and Dalvin Cook got hurt. So in the presence of Alf, that's just someone that – Shanahan knows gives an old gives an old player a, a paycheck or two, and because there's no way they want to have him on the week one roster and have to pay this guy. So I think he's just going to be a camp body, and I think uh, Matt Breda is the guy I want in this backfield, at least uh, at a value. What about you, Jerry? Where are you at with San Fran and all these injuries? Yeah, I'm with, I'm with Breda too, and and you know my my main dynasty league, I've got Kittle and Breda, so that was a fun week to have. But I mean, I like Alfred Morris, but I'm with you. I don't think he's going to be fantasy relevant, honestly. I mean, he's, I don't know. He's, I mean, he is a Kyle Shanahan guy, and I do like Kyle Shanahan. That's why I usually, I was a huge Carlos High guy last year. I went out for Jarek McKinnon, but hey, you're right. He's not, I mean, he's not going to be one of these 300 touch guys that you're going to take and get a superstar out of. He's just, he's going to be good. He's going to be, Jarek McKinnon's going to be better than he has been. But as far as if he gets hurt, yeah, I'm going Matt Breda. And I'm not super worried about Kittle. Uh, I like him. And I like Jimmy G. And I, I'm i not as high on Jimmy G as everybody else is. And I think he's going to need someone like Kittle to sort of keep him going and keep that confidence going. So I think he's going to look to him a lot. He's, he's one of the guys that I'm taking from a redraft standpoint. If I wait on a tight end, Kittle's the guy. Yeah, and... I think the reason why Alfred Morris is, is that while Breda and McKenna's healing up, you know, Kyle Shanahan needs someone in that backfield to run routes and to run plays and, you know, allow the linemen to block and everybody else in the offense to do their job and continue to learn the offense. And you got to have someone who's familiar with it. So I don't think he's there long term, but I think someone who is back long term, and that's my favorite quarterback, and that's Andrew Luck. Now, he only went six for nine, they kept everything short which I think is by design with Coach Reich. I don't think they want him getting hit, although he took off and tried to run for that first down and got popped by Bobby Wagner, popped right back up. So I think Andrew Luck will be fine. They played him you know, into the second quarter in game one, which is quite a bit for a guy of his tenure in the NFL. So I was excited about that. Wasn't excited about Deion Kane. Here's a guy who was ripping up training camp, uh, had positive things said by him by a lot of people in the writing community, including Peter King of Monday Morning Quarterback. But he is done for the year. So uh, are you an Andrew Luck fan? Please tell me you're not. we got to argue about something. We've been we've been agreeing too much this first show. I'll argue a little bit about Deion Kane. I was not a huge fan. I mean, I sort of liked him at Clemson, but I was – <laughs> but I can't argue with him on Andrew Luck. And the thing about it doesn't matter how long he played. The point is he played. And if Andrew Luck plays, he's going to be good. And I know we're going to talk about him a little bit later, so I'll just leave it at that. But, yeah, I love Andrew Luck, and he is vastly being underdrafted right now. Yes, sir, especially in redraft. ESPN's currently uh, ripping off our buddies Sal and uh, Kevin and Steve from the FF Funhouse, and they're doing a marathon of their own of fantasy football. But I saw on their thing today that Andrew Luck is going number eight overall behind Carson Wentz, and we'll – We'll talk about him in just a second, but I want to stay in Indy for just a second. And Marlon Mack is out, quote-unquote, a few weeks. And I think this is the runway for Naheem Hines and Jordan Wilkins to take over this backfield on a permanent basis. If you search Jordan Wilkins and Indianapolis Star, there's been some real nice articles written about him. Uh, Stephen Holder comes to mind of the Indianapolis Star. So if you're looking for a sneaky guy, we'll talk about redraft. And, and I got him on a lot of waiver wires 
after our rookie drafts. He's probably too hot of a commodity now to be on the waiver wire. But don't be afraid to kick over some stones and see if Jordan Wilkins is out there and throw out some cheap offers because he's looked like a three-down back, according to the local media, and I would not be surprised if he took this job over on a permanent basis. So where are you at with my Colts backfield, Jerry? You a Mac guy, a Hines guy, a Wilkins guy, Bob Turbin, Seawolf? No, stop it. I am the opposite of a Marlon Mack guy. Uh, last year, him and Dante Foreman were just the two guys I didn't like. Dante Foreman is just a big guy that runs straight. Marlon Mack runs outside too much. Um, as far as Naheem Hines, he reminds me a little like Dre Archer a few years ago. He ran the fastest 40, so people liked him. There's and, a name from the past. Yeah, I mean, I'm, that's just what he looks like. He's a little guy. He's super fast. I'm with you on Jordan Wilkins. I mean, productive SEC and I'm just not a fan of Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines, so he's the guy I'm using. Uh, actually, in my main dynasty league, I used my most uh, fab money after the draft on Jordan Wilkins and Richie James, the uh, slot wide receiver from San Francisco. So I'm definitely in on Wilkins. I think he'll take the job even if Marlon Mack is healthy. I just I'm not a huge Mack guy. I, th- I think regardless, he's going to be the goal line guy. He's the biggest guy. And this is top of my head stats, but I believe he averaged five yards a rush in the SEC, which is a pretty good football conference if you're into that college football type stuff. Um, That's what I've heard. I've heard it's pretty good. They are all right. So I want to go to the defending Super Bowl champions in Philadelphia. And it's not looking good from an injury standpoint. There's rumors both for and against Alshon maybe spending the first six weeks on the pump list. Uh, Carson Wentz is not a lock for week one. Nelson Aguilar is suffering from some sort of a lower body industry, or industry injury, <laughs> is an industry of uh, Alshon Jeffries having lower body issues. And then I, I just see this as some offensive regression for this offense. I think, I think Ertz is the only one that feels safe. I think if Nick Foles comes back, I uh, did some research into Philadelphia the other day, that Alshon Jeffrey led the team in targets last year, but... Ertz only finished five targets behind him but missed two games. So Ertz easily was the number one target. He averaged eight targets per game. And I look for, you know, you want a sneaky play in a best ball or in a redraft, Mike Wallace. He is a much better outside receiver than Torrey Smith was last year. And he could have some sneaky value in best ball. Are are you worried about this Philadelphia offense with all these injuries? Uh, yes and no. Uh, the thing about Nick Foles is he's he's proven he can win. So I think that's why they kept him around. Because I don't think people really thought after he was Super Bowl MVP and you have Carson Wentz that you were going to keep him. But clearly they knew something was up with Wentz. So I'm not super concerned about it. Uh, I mean, it's not fun if you're drafting Carson Wentz when, you, when he's going to play. But as far as their team, and they were always going to regress too. That's another thing. That I mean, that was a great team. I mean, you beat the Patriots in a Super Bowl. That's, that's something that not a lot of people like 500 yards of offense. Yeah. Uh, Alshon, the Alshon thing scares me. He's one of the guys that if I have gone running back early in my mock drafts for redraft, I've been sort of picking on Alshon. So when that news came out, I was a little salty, but I mean, we'll see. And then Nelson Aguilar, I like, man, I feel like he doesn't ever get the love. I feel like he got a ton of love and then people hated him because he never exploded like they wanted. But Am I worried about the injuries? No, but we still got a couple weeks to see. That's the good news about the Philly offense. I I would agree, and I think we'll know enough by week one, especially for, uh, like you mentioned right now, a redraft in Dynasty is kind of the same game. And I can't figure out why Cooper Cup, who I love, gets so much love, but Nelson Aguilar does not get the same love. They're basically the same dude. Big slot receiver, uh, good option. I mean, Aguilar had eight touchdowns last year, so... But I do think this news could be good for Ajayi earlier. They could really want to pound the rock and limit these wide receivers from future injuries. I'm going to uh, mix these next two stories together because they're both kind of minor, but they're both soft tissue. And that's Antonio Brown and Saquon Barkley. Saquon Barkley come up a little bit gimpy with a hamstring. And then allegedly Antonio Brown limped off the field. And then he cut a promo on the reporter that, that said that on Twitter. Are you worried about either one of these guys, or, or are you like me, just hoping that they keep them out of games and just let them get healed up for week one? Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think they were just finding any sort of excuse to not play him again. You got, you got to see him. 
And Saquon, what, his first carry, he went for how many yards? He looked exactly like everything we wanted. That's all we needed to see. And you don't you don't want a Darius Geis incident again, so uh, I'm cool with it. I'm not worried at all. I don't think it drops their ADP at all. I will still take both of them gladly. I, I agree 100%, and I, I think if you're in enough leagues like we all are, You've got shares of all these guys. And they always say save the best for last, and I didn't do that. I saved the best for second to last because we talked about Saquon and Antonio Brown. So let's save the not best for last, and we're going to talk about Cameron Meredith and Devontae Parker. Cameron Meredith has been missing some practices with with an undisclosed injury, but he says he'll be fine. And then Devontae Parker broke a finger and might not be ready for week one. Devontae Parker seems like he cannot catch a break. He can't catch a football, first of all, and a break. And then I'm really banking on on Cam Meredith to be that Marquise Colston. I know they signed Wallace to be the tight end there, but I could really see Cam Meredith playing and running some of those tight end roles out of the slot there in in New Orleans and being a real real, uh, red zone threat for that offense. Are you buying either Parker or... Cameron Meredith, because I told some guys in a group chat today, they were like bad mouthing Parker. I'm like, guys, I'll give you a 2019 third or a 2020 second right now. Because that, that, that's an investment in that guy that I'm willing to let burn up in the ether if he never, you know, fulfills it. But I know the upside of what I could get in the NFL draft capital the Dolphins spent on him. So where are you at with Cam and Devontae? I mean, if you could get a 2020 second or a 2019 third for him, I'd take him. But I'm not a Devontae Parker guy. I was his rookie year. I just, I don't know. He's just, he's been such a punch in your gut if you've ever owned him. Uh, Cam Meredith, though, I do like. Uh, I just I just like whoever's going to be that second wide receiver in New Orleans. It, whether it's Cam Meredith or whether it's Traquan Smith, somebody is going to be fantasy relevant and win you a couple of weeks during the year. I have been going Cam Meredith, but... It's going to be one of them, and it's just getting the right one. That's why if you can afford to grab two, then the other one, after a month or so, you realize he's not going to be any good to you, get rid of him and pick someone else up. But someone in that Drew Brees offense is going to just explode on you. And I've been going Cam Meredith. I like him. So if he gets hurt and it ends up being a lingering issue, that's not going to be fun for anybody. There's going to be a lot of positive touchdown regression coming in New Orleans. Drew Brees only threw 23 touchdowns last year, and I'm freewheeling this stat off the top of my head. I heard Matthew Barry say it the other day, and it was very, very eye-opening. Drew Brees had thrown like 30-plus touchdowns nine seasons in a row, and last year threw 23. So as he said, what's more likely to happen? Is he going to throw 23 again, or is he more than likely to throw 30? And if he throws yeah, 30... I mean, Go ahead. Who would have thought last year that Jared Goff would throw for five more touchdowns than Drew Brees? You know, that does not bother me one one bit in redraft, especially in redraft or dynasty. I think Drew Brees has got two solid years left. And if he does throw for 30 touchdowns, that's seven more than last year. And I think it means good, good things for Cam Meredith, uh, Michael Thomas, maybe even Ben Wallace. Who knows? But, hey, listen, let's, let's move into the body of the show. That is the news. There's plenty of other news. Just do what I do. Do what Jerry does. I follow a bunch of beat writers on my Twitter burner account. I have like seven followers, which is fine, but I follow like 92 ESPN and local newspaper and radio people that are at these training camps, and I decipher this news for myself. If you don't have time to do that, just get the Roto World app. Keep it on your phone, refresh it a couple of times a day, and make sure you're staying on top of the news, uh, good and bad. But remember with all this news, I, I like to say this, and I'll have you a drop for this as well, don't fall for the banana in the tailpipe. That's a line from the classic Eddie Murphy movie, Beverly Hills Cop. Do not fall for the banana in the tailpipe. Um, the lion's I'd like to just He is a lion, yeah. But that, the, the, the first scene in that movie is shot in Detroit, which is uh, near and dear to your heart, Jerry. But hey, listen, you, you and I were both old-school redraft guys at heart. We love Dynasty. We love the strategy. We love the hardcore aspect of it. But man, at the end of the day, redraft is where it all starts. And this is for you, the redraft player. We know that maybe you're new to listening to the Warzone. And please feel free. We're, we're always going to talk about football in all various forms. But, uh, and we're going we're gonna to convert you. We're going to convert you in the offseason to our uh, How to Start a Dynasty League series. But, Jerry, you want to tell these people your first theory that, that you stick to when you're uh, starting redraft? Yeah. Be the lion. Don't be the sheep. 
you got to take your guy. Don't, don't. The problem is people want to take whatever the ADP says a lot of the times, or at least people right in that range. So they, they don't, sometimes guys fall. Like we're going to, we're going to talk about reaches and stretches later on. But that's, that's the kind of thing that I want is when people first start playing, they go, okay, I have the eighth pick and these guys are here. I'm going to take them. Take, take the guy you want. And, you know, maybe you're at the end of your snake draft. You got the the 10 and 11th pick or the 12th and the 13th pick. And you see a guy that's maybe 7, 8, 9, drops down on the ADP. Take him if that's who you want. It just, just because someone's ADP is at a certain number, that doesn't mean they're going to perform better than the guy that you want. And you'd rather fail with your guy than fail with a guy that you didn't like. So that way it's at least your fault and you can learn from it and not just be a sheep, essentially. Be the lion that kills the sheep. That's what you got to do. And and then and, and I, I was going to add that one, but, you know, I had someone ask me on Twitter the other day, and by the way, tag Jerry at JerrySendDFF at Memphis, at DFF Memphis. We love helping out. If you have a question, tag us, man. We'll, we'll get to you as quick as we can. We got work, work and family and stuff, but we always get back to you as quick as we can. And a guy asked me, he said, hey, Memphis, can I take Saquon Barkley with the 103 in a redraft? And I was like, do you want Saquon Barkley? Because here's the thing, at the 103, if you don't take him, he ain't coming back to you. Nah, you know he's what? gone. He gone. And if you don't get him, then then you're going to, you know, regret that. Maybe he blows up. Maybe he doesn't. But part of this game, part of the fun is having players that you root for. And I use that as a tiebreaker. I've said this before. If I'm on the clock and the two best wide receivers and I'm picking a wide receiver are DeAndre Hopkins and Odell Beckham Jr., even though I think Odell Beckham Jr. is the slightly better receiver, I'm taking DeAndre Hopkins because I don't want to root for Odell Beckham. I just <laughs> I, I can't bring myself to do it. I would much rather root for DeAndre Hopkins. So if that's the very sliver of a tiebreaker, especially in a redraft, that's what I'm going to do. So I'm going to move into... My first theory, and this is one of the first theories I ever heard about 20 years ago when I was listening to sports talk radio. And I'll never forget it because, you know, it, it stuck with me and it's been part of my building blocks of, of drafts for years. And it was a gentleman named Eric Casilius. He was one of the original ESPN hosts. He hosted the Fantasy Show. I think he's still got a radio show somewhere. And he always compared your drafting style to like investments. When you're investing in your 401k or in the stock market, you want those first six picks to provide a solid steady return just like you want the majority of your 401k to return a solid investment year after year you don't want to be risky you don't want you want to be safe you want it to be blue chip you want it to be apple or google or microsoft or or whatever you know you don't want it to be some startup pharmaceutical company that you know can go belly up and there goes your investment you know you got to make sure that you get those guys that are scoring so in rounds one through six, I'm looking for solid producers, guys, because the average winning score in a 12-team PPR league is between 105 and 110 points. In a 10-team league, it's about 120, 125. So you have to get those guys. You have to look. When you get done with rounds one through six, you've got to ask yourself, okay, how many points on average are these guys going to give me? How close are they going to get me to that, that 106? You know? And when I say that, I say that in your basic one quarterback, two running back, two wide receiver, one flex, one kicker, one defense, because this is redraft. So, you know, rounds one through six, you want to be safe. And then round seven through 14, you want to gamble your ass off. Go with big upside guys. You don't want to go with guys like Theo Riddick. There's no upside if Carrion Johnson gets hurt to Theo Riddick. But there is big upside to Tevin Coleman in that he has some standalone value. But if Devontae Freeman goes down, he's got big value. So those are the kind of guys, and I don't know that you know, you're getting Tevin Coleman right now at ADP outside of the six, but I just use that as an example. So uh, I'm of the investment theory. You know, safe early, safe steady returns, and then once you get into that seventh round, take gambles on big upside plays. Jerry, where are you at with your second theory? Uh, I'm actually going to talk about your theory first. I love the, the go for home runs at the end sort of thing because you get those guys that in your leagues that take Deshaun Jackson and stuff like that and you just you know those are not going to be the teams that do anything because they're going to be relevant for one week and you don't got to worry about them so I loved that one my second theory is diversify your stars so this is a little specific 
it's for those that play in multiple leagues. Uh, mo- most people do, because once you play one fantasy league, you always want to play in more, because it's super fun to draft and trade and do all that, which is why we like talking about football so much, because it's an s- extremely fun game. But the thing, like you said, is go go for the home runs and later on in the leagues, and that's what I like, because you have the guys that you like, the guys that you think are going to blow up that maybe other people don't. I'm fine if you have multiple leagues and you're taking those guys. Just keep taking those guys. But as far as your stars go, like you said, those first two, three, the range of production between those guys is not going to be a huge difference. But what you want to do is you want to, excuse me, you want to reduce your risk. You know, if you took David Johnson in every one of your leagues last year, you lost every one of your leagues. I didn't lose all my leagues, but I definitely (laughs) lost some leagues because I had David Johnson everywhere. If you had Todd Gurley or Le'Veon Bell or someone else in there, you'd have been sitting pretty. So my thing is, those first couple picks don't necessarily... Now, if someone's dropping and you have good value, that's one thing. But if you're going out specifically to just get the same team in every league, I don't like that. If an injury happens, it can cripple all your leagues, and then you're just not going to have fun for the next couple of weeks. All right. Well, we'll... Uh, I'm going to move on to the need theory. Now, I heard this said about an actual NFL team. And again, guys, I'm not the smartest guy in the room. But you know what? Uber did not invent taxi cabs. But they they took the the theory of the taxi cab and turned it into something much better. And that's always my goal. So I heard this theory about the need theory. So if your wife gives you 20 bucks and says, I need you to go to the store and come back with ham and cheese, some bread, and some potato salad because we have people coming over for, for a picnic, and you come home with a rake, and you tell her that this is a great rake, it was on sale, it's normally 50 bucks, I got it for 20 bucks. she's going to look at you like you're a dumbass. She's going to like, why do you have this rake? And you're like, honey, but look at the great value. And, 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 and look at that from a need theory in fantasy football. Do you need a fourth running back, or do you need to get a tight end that can produce points for you in the seventh, eighth round? Are you better off with, again, like that fourth running back, or are you better off with Kyle Rudolph or Delaney Walker? And you're probably better off, you know, getting that position of need. I'm not saying that you have to do this super early, but but don't feel like that you've always got to go best player available. Um, I'll get into my last theory in a minute, but yeah, sometimes you have to fill that need. I don't want to go into the 11th round, and I know in redraft you can stream tight end, but that's a whole different subject. I, I, I don't mind streaming, but I don't like the stress of streaming. I don't like the stress of having to win the waiver wire battle or spending all my fab money to get the new hotness. Um, you know, is, is Trey Burton going to pan out? You know what? If I had just taken Kyle Rudolph in the seventh round or taken Delaney Walker in the eighth round, I wouldn't be in this position right now. So don't be afraid to draft need. You know, it's, it's okay. You can still take an, a, an upside swing later in the draft on a running back that you think has some upside. Uh, so I, I'm of the need theory. If you need it and you can get it and you can get you know a plug-and-play, go for it. So, Jerry, go ahead. Tell me about needs and uh, what's your third theory. All right, my third one is some people don't like to do this. I am a person that does, though, and that's to handcuff your running backs. A lot of people don't like it. They're super against it. And, and I get it. It's an extra roster spot. But you have to do it properly. That's my thing. Just because you have someone's backup, that doesn't mean they're going to come up with the same amount of production as the person you're replacing. Now, James Conner is not a person that's going to replace Le'Veon Bell, but he's going to get a workload. Some, someone like that is someone that you need to handcuff. Now, if you have Alex Collins, like... Yeah, Kenneth Dixon or one of those guys, they could they could turn out for you. But they, you don't need to specifically hold on to someone like that. Theoretic, the guy we just talked about. If something happens to carry on or LeGarrette Blonde or something, holding on to him is not going to give you the same amount of production. It's still going to be a committee. And people, people like Chase Edmonds. Here's another thing. I, I like Chase Edmonds as a prospect, and I think he could be good in the league. If David Johnson gets hurt, I don't think he'll be the only guy in town. Um, so it's just, there's certain guys. There's not a ton. D'Angelo Williams was a couple years ago. Actually, I'm just sort of picking on the Steelers because they love to just have one guy. Uh, but, you know, that, that kind of thing. You just, just you got to do it correctly. Don't hoard all of your running backs or all of your 
And don't handcuff a quarterback, which is, I mean, most of the people that are going to listen to the show are not going to do anything like that, but you don't need a backup. There's someone in, on free agency you can pick up, but pick the guys that you think are not going to be in a committee if your starting running back gets hurt. Like Todd Gurley. Like if Todd Gurley gets hurt, I could see John Kelly getting a workload. It's a little risky, but he's he's somebody that if I'm a Todd Gurley owner, I drafted John Kelly in my dynasty league, and if I draft him in a redraft league, my last pick is going to be on John Kelly. Absolutely. So my last theory is a pretty basic one, but be true to yourself. It kind of ties into Jerry's about get your guy, but create your own draft board with your own rankings with, um, you know, your people. It's great. You know, uh, my, my favorite dra- you know, draft sheet, I guess we'll call it for Dynasty, is, my, is uh, Mike Clay's because Mike Clay on his puts ages, and that helps with Dynasty because age can be a tiebreaker. If, if you're looking for a couple of, uh, you know, you're, you're trying to decide between a couple of guys and one guy's 28 and one guy's 23 and it's a Dynasty startup, that means a big deal. But just find a list of players. Matthew Barry has one. The gentleman, Brad Evans from Yahoo, has one. I mean, you can find this out there. And then take that list and put it into an Excel spreadsheet. You can write it down on a piece of paper. And, you know, the, the last thing that goes along with this is, you know, we're doing this on Friday, and I'll, I'll tell you about it at the end of the show, mock draft. Mock draft, mock draft, mock draft. You know, you can do them on Fantasy Pros. You can do them on Fantasy Football Calculator. You can do a mock draft everywhere. You know what? Go all wide receivers early. Go all running backs early. Um, you know, go against experts. Go against the ADP. Do all of this stuff so that when you're on the clock in, in your league, whether that's, you know, in a room full of your best friends that you've been doing for 10 years or whether you're on ESPN or Yahoo or MFL and you're picking, you know what? You, you never feel sniped. You never feel out of sorts. You always know who your next guy is. You sit there quietly. You check him off the board. And last thing about this at the draft is have a little confidence. You don't have to have that Odell Beckham Jr. swagger. But just that quiet Calvin Johnson swagger. That's for you, Jerry. A little Lions play. Love just, it. Just, uh, just go up there. Know you're handling your business. Feel confident. And that, that will put your, your opposition on tilt as much as anything. So those are our theories. Jerry, anything on the build your own draft board and uh, have a little confidence? I mean, you know, I actually hit something. I just lost it. But, uh yeah, I, I'm sort of the same way, and I, I love mocking. Telling people to mock is the best thing you can do, because A, because drafting is super fun, which is why I get stuck in so many leagues, because I just want to draft. And what I like to do is, whatever the league is on, I like to draft on, or mock draft on that site, so that way I can see the ADP that I'm sort of going against, because you're going to play against people that are not just picking their guys. They're going to pick the guys that are right there. They might not know. So I, I like to sort of get a glimpse of that. Uh, but yeah, they're, they're, they're going to sheeple their way through it. They're just going to follow yeah. the AB, the yeah. ADP. They're going to go. They're going to use my need theory, which I don't think is a bad theory. But they're going to say, "I need a quarterback." Here's the next quarterback in line. I will take him. And then, you know, if if you know there's a guy you want and you know his ADP is super late or super early, you know what round you want to target that guy. So, so you can take someone else earlier. That's what. That's why I love mocking. It just it, it, it practice makes perfect. Exactly. Exactly. It makes your construction of the roster you want so much better. And like you said, and sort of like I said earlier with diversify, diversify how you mock. Take a wide receiver. Go zero running back. Go zero wide receiver at a different time. Take a tight end early. Take a quarterback early. See what you like and make your team yours. What builds the best roster? And last thing on this is you can the two that I like using. Now I'm a proud super proud member of the Dynasty Football Factory and the uh, Dynasty Football Network. But the one thing about the ESPN app is that you can do mock drafts really super easy from your phone. They're quick. You know, they, they, they go by. If you want to be challenged more, I really like Fantasy Pros because you can go to Fantasy Pros, you can enter in the number of teams, you can enter in the number of players, a number of flexes, PPR, standard, and you can really you can pay up, and you can use our buddies over at the Fantasy Football Fellas Code. The uh, you got to think the code's Fellas, and you'll get ten percent off a premium membership over there. But uh, go to Fantasy Pros, and you can really customize that. And then you know, practice like you play. Perfect practice means perfect results, and, and you'll feel a lot better. So we're going to move into three guys at ADP we're avoiding 
and three guys were targeting at ADP. So, uh, Jerry, you're the new guy. I'm going to let you go first. Give me, a, give me a guy you're avoiding. You're not going to like me for this one of the Colts fans. I still like Eli, you. Eli Hilton. You are I, drunk, sir. <laughs> I Actually, Oktoberfest by Sam Adams just came out. I got my first six-pack. That's how I know it's football season. That's why I'm happy to be here. So, T.Y. Hilton, I like T.Y. Hilton. He's a guy that I – he gets disrespected, and I always like him. But his ADP is 28 right now. Hey, while his ceiling is extremely high, and I believe he finished as wide receiver two or three, whatever that was a few years ago, we have not really seen that. And there's just other guys in that area that I just love. I just love them, and I don't know. I – is I'm at a, I'm at a battle with myself because I love Ty Hilton and I usually take him. I just think 28 is so risky and it's one of those picks that you were saying earlier where if you don't get those guys that are extremely productive in the first couple of rounds, you're going to be climbing up a hard ladder the whole season. I, I think I think that's fair. The only thing I can say on behalf of Ty is that he's had two wide receiver two and two wide receiver one seasons in four healthy Andrew Luck seasons. And as recent as recently as Thursday night, in his uh, nine pass attempts on Thursday, four of those went in the direction of T.Y. Hilton. He's not fighting a lot for balls. But you know what? That That's fine. Uh, I don't know that I necessarily agree, but that's okay. I'm going to go to the, my first guy that I'm avoiding. That's Kareem Hunt at number nine overall. Uh, nothing against Kareem Hunt. But in a PPR redraft league, I feel much more comfortable with a guy like Melvin Gordon, whose ADP is currently 11. So you can get him a couple of picks later. But like we said, you know, you're going to get your guy. I just, Melvin Gordon and even Devontae Freeman are two guys that I prefer over Kareem Hunt. I think that Spencer Ware, a guy that had over 1,300 all, you know, passing and receiving yards two years ago, is going to work back in a little bit. I'm not sure how Patrick Mahomes is going to affect this offense. The offensive line didn't look very good the other night in week one. Just, you know, Melvin Gordon's getting for a slant back. So at number nine overall in a PPR redraft league, I'm fading. I'm fading Mr. Kareem Hunt. So who's your second fade? Uh, another one that's not going to give me a ton of fans because he is he's really blowing up on Twitter. People love him. Stephon Diggs at ADP 32 overall. I have never been a huge Stephon Diggs fan. Um, I watched him at Maryland being a Big Ten guy, and he was always good. He's never hit a 1,000 yards, and we're talking about taking him in the third round. He's now, in recency bias, the last time we saw him playing, he decided to go walk off for the NFC Championship. But... I don't know, third third round, Stephon Diggs? I mean, we've seen Amari Cooper, who's younger than him, get 2,000-yard seasons. I mean, recency bias is going to hurt that. But I – and Adam Thielen is still there. I've How, heard of him. And, and I, I'm uh, glad Delvin you brought Cook. this up. I'm glad you brought up Diggs because I thought about him. So I see pros and cons both ways. I see the talent. I've seen the big plays. But to your point, exactly. he's never had 1,000 yards. Uh, his new, he's got a new offensive coordinator in John Filippo. He's got a new quarterback in Kirk Cousins who's never produced a, a, a wide receiver one. Uh, Kirk Cousins and the offensive coordinator have a track record, and that's all that I can base this on. They have a track record of lots of targets to the running backs and the tight ends. And you still have the presence of, of Adam Thielen. So I think that's a great call. Uh, I'm going to stay in Minnesota and make myself very unpopular, especially with my dynasty brethren, and that's Dalvin Cook at 14th overall in a PPR. Man, you know, at this point, if I'm in the 14th overall, that probably means I'm on that back end of the second round, which means I probably drafted uh, at the one, you know, the 110. 109, 110, 111, somewhere in there. And I already got another running back. So I would gladly fade him. And I would take uh, someone like Michael Thomas at 15th overall or Keenan Allen at 16th overall, two guys that I think would be monsters in a PPR uh, format. So, you know, it's a four-game sample size. Again, I don't know how this offense is going to look. I mean, it's a lot. It's like, it's like having a bunch of really good ingredients for a cake. And, man, that cake sounds delicious. But... You know, it takes skilled hands to put them all together and make something really good come out of the oven. And I don't know that yet. I mean, I, I, I don't know if Filippo is a great cook. 
and I, I know we got great ingredients, so I'm I'm also fading. Uh, what do you think about Dalvin to give us your final fade? I think the cake analogy was awesome because my cake would be awful no matter what ingredients you put. But I'm I'm with you, on Dalvin Cook. He was my 102 in rookie drafts last year. Loved Dalvin Cook. Same. I felt like mine was way overblown. But yeah, we're talking middle of the second. He played four games. That dude's played four games. And, and to his We're credit, talking. he looked good, but the offensive coordinator calling those plays is in New York currently. Yeah, and, I mean, yeah, that's too much. I, and I like him as a player, but goodness. We got to be and prepared like, to be burned at the stake for these takes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, hey, that's fair. Uh, I'm a Michigan State fan that lives right outside of Ann Arbor, so I hear it all the time. I'm used to it. But yeah, I, as far as like Michael Thomas and Keenan Allen right after that, I mean, yeah, give me that. Give me that for sure. Uh, so what I'm going to do is go to my third one. We talked about him a little bit earlier. He's not a guy I've ever really been super high on, but I hate his ADP, and that's Zach Ertz at 34 overall. <gasps> hey, I know, gasps. But that's a third-round pick. I mean, That, that is, in what, fact. That's what Gronk was going at when he was catching – 14 touchdowns, 13 touchdowns. Travis Kelsey is, what, eight picks better than that? And we've seen him do it multiple years. We saw Zach Ertz get eight touchdowns last year, and he's been getting four, three the rest of his career, getting hurt. I just, that seemed like if Zach Ertz's ADP was three rounds later, I'm okay. We're cool. But there's so many good players there, and you can wait on tight ends. Like you said, Kyle Rudolph what is Kyle Rudolph's production, even if it's worse than Zach Hurd's, is it going to be that much worse? Four, five, six rounds later worse? I I would skip Zach Hurd's. I'll let someone else take him. Well, I know you- I, I, yeah, I mean, I, I'm a big Ertz guy, but again, I'm, I'm a play the ADP game, and I'm going to get my need of a, of a tight end around early. So I don't know Kyle Rudolph's current ADP last I saw. I think it was in the seventh. So maybe I would take him with my six-round pick, depending on my roster. The only tight end I feel comfortable taking in those first three rounds is honestly Gronk. Because, I, like I said earlier, I'm not sure about Patrick Mahomes and how that whole KC offense, and is Sammy going to be sniping red zone targets? At their ADP, I, I mean, that's not my final fade. My final fade breaks my heart because he is one of my absolute favorite players. I have been a staunch supporter of this guy, not only this year, but for the last three years, and that's Josh Gordon. I cannot risk the 48th overall pick in PPR on a guy that I haven't seen in camp. I mean, if he was in camp right now doing Josh Gordon things and slam dunking people, you know, and, and, and killing cornerbacks in, in the end zone, then I then I could maybe invest the fourth-round pick. And that's actually fallen because he was as, I was in the 30s maybe two weeks ago. You know, I would much rather take a shot on a guy like Marvin Jones at 57 overall or risk the breakout of a Corey Davis at 61 overall as opposed to – because that means in the fourth round I could get – I could get – I don't know, maybe that third running back or a different wide receiver. And then, you know, a full round later at 61, I could get Corey Davis. So I'd much rather take that trip. I love Josh Gordon. I love his talent. I mean, he looks like a million bucks. He's working his tail off in Florida. I Hopefully he's just sticking away from hard knocks. But I just I can't risk it. So um, anything on Josh Gordon, and then let's get positive. Let's end this thing on a positive note and talk about guys that we're, uh, we're targeting. I'm going to talk a little positive about Josh Gordon. I don't like his ADP. I I would also have him on a, on an avoid list because that that's too early for someone that just he hasn't played. I, yes, the talent is great, and his ADP is sort of built into that because if he reaches a ceiling, he's a superstar. But as far as the being away from camp, I think that's all hard knocks. Because what would hard knocks want to do if he was there? They'd want to interview him and they'd want to talk about that stuff. And if you're in Josh Gordon's shoes. Do you really want to sit in front of the TV and talk about all that stuff? Absolutely not. So I'm I'm glad that he's avoiding that. But yeah, at, at that ADP, no, I don't want him. All right, give, uh, give me some positive news. Give 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 me uh, give me someone you're high on that you're going to take a round earlier or, or something to that effect. It's someone that we actually talked about on the episode I was on a couple weeks ago, and it's someone that I don't normally like, but it's Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is going <gasps> forty. Three, I know. It just, like we said earlier, Jared Goff threw 28 touchdowns. Sammy Watkins. 
I mean, not 28 to Sammy Watkins. Say, he would be much higher in ADP had he caught 28 yeah. touchdowns last year. But he, still, he still caught eight. Sure. And we're talking about Sammy Watkins, the king of underperforming. And Brandon Cooks, he's a 1,100 yard receiver his whole career. Not, and he's always been in great offenses. Don't get me wrong. But he's in another one. I mean, and the Rams have been good. And he's not going to be the main guy that the defense watches because there's that guy that's named Ty Gurley who's pretty good at football. And he plays in LA. So I, he's one of those guys that if I can snag a second wide receiver or maybe maybe I went running back heavy and he's the first guy I go, I'd be so happy at that. I, I can't argue with any of that. Uh, I'm not a Brandon Cooks guy, but if there's a guy, I would, I would crown that young man the king of best ball. I would love to have Brandon Cooks on every single best ball roster because my only fear with him is that Jerry Goff does not throw the best deep ball. Ask Sammy Watkins, but speaking of the deep ball, uh, Mr. Robbie Anderson currently going 96th overall in PPR. Uh, man, I will gladly you know that that is right on that that eighth round, the, like the 812, 901 range. I will gladly take him over the guys that are going ahead of him, which include Randall Cobb, which I cannot understand. I know Green Bay's got a hell of an offense, but. Uh, his injury history and just random no thank you. I know Jamison Crowder is the PPR darling right now. Again, I'm going to pass. And then uh, Chris Godwin going to 83rd overall. Man, I will gladly take this guy, uh, get him later. And, I mean, he's the wide receiver one. Anytime you can get a wide receiver one, uh, it's money. This guy was PPR wide receiver 18 last year. Look who he's you know competing for targets with. Javon Curse. Quincy Nunwa, Terrell Pryor, Jordan Leggett, Blau Pow? I mean, come on. This guy's easily going to get fed. He's got, you know, he's guaranteed to get good quarterback play. You know, McCown did real well with him last year. Teddy Bridgewater looked sharp in week one, and so did Sam Darnold. So, you know, his quarterback play can only, you know, get better. So give me all the Robbie Anderson. Yeah, uh, that wide receiver room is a barren wasteland. And Robbie Anderson is the most talented one in there. So getting him late, I'm with you. It is, that's that's thievery is what that is. But there's another one that's, that's thievery. A two, that's a 211. That's a robbery in progress. <laughs> yeah. There's another one. And it's Carlos Hyde at 92. I, I know they drafted Nick Chubb. I know Duke Johnson is there. Carlos Hyde got three carries in the first quarter of the preseason game and then stopped playing him. That sounds like a guy who's the starter, and they don't want him to be hurt. And he's going at 92. You you could have your whole team set up, and Carlos Hyde be the second or third person on your bench, and he could end up being an every-week RB2. I just... And now I'm a Carlos Hyde guy, so there's a little bias in there. I was a, I was a big screamer for him last year. But that just... That seems outrageous to get someone that's potentially an RB1 on his team who could get a good workload. Not Nick Chubb's going to get work and Duke John's going to do his thing, but he could easily get 225 touches. And if you can get 225 touches out of the guy at 92, you are hitting a triple, my friend. I, I like this call. And in the, in the mock that we're going to talk about here in a little bit that will drop on Friday, I called Carlos Hyde the perfect bridge guy for Mark Ingram. If you draft Mark Ingram and you're getting him somewhere around the fourth round, maybe the fifth, if you're lucky, and you know Mark Ingram is going to play one of the first six games, and that's ironically right around the time where Carlos Hyde usually gets hurt. And I say that tongue in cheek because the man did play all 16 games last year. But I want to go back to Pittsburgh. You were talking about Pittsburgh earlier and how they always have one running back produce. Well, guess who was the offensive coordinator the last few years? Few years in Pittsburgh, and that was Todd Haley, who's the current OC in Cleveland. And I just could see him giving, you know, the the Carlos Hyde role. You know, it could be his job and make Nick Chubb beat him. So I don't I don't know how much work Nick Chubb's going to get unless Hyde gets injured, or he just really comes on late. Because I think you know Todd Haley's going to stick to his guy, especially if he's hitting in pass protection when he is out there. And then there's obviously Duke. So not a bad call. You know, we need to need a Homer alert sounder too. But I'm going Andrew Luck, currently going 84th overall. That's a seventh-round pick, which might be a hair early for quarterback. But Andrew Luck has, you know, finished, I think it was top five in every season that he's played 15 or more games. 
I, where else are you going to get a top five quarterback? Aaron Rodgers is going in, you know, the late three, early four range, and then you got Brady and Wentz. And speaking of Wentz, he's going 65th, almost 20 picks ahead of Andrew Luck, and Cam's going 63rd. Now I like Cam this year, but I have a quarterback that's quite possibly going to be able to get me top three overall scoring at the position, and I can get him in the seventh round. Uh, sign me up. As long as old neckbeard, now porn stash, Andrew Luck stays stays uh, healthy, he's going to be a great return on that late seventh round investment. Yeah, Andrew Luck is Andrew Luck, Matthew Stafford, and Matt Ryan are the three guys that I've just taken over and over and over again. Andrew Luck is the like you said, he's if he is everything you want, and you get him at eighty eight, you're going to win some leagues. Because, I mean, a quarterback, if he drops 35 on a week, you're going to win that week. And and he has all the talent in the world, and the mustache is awful. It, it's, it's, but... it's ter- he looks like like a 70s cop is what he looks like. <laughs> like, 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 that, like like the lead cop in like a one-hour TV drama. And, I mean, it, yeah, exactly. You can get a guy that could give you Aaron Rodgers or Russell Wilson scoring on a week-in, week-out week basis but allow you to really pad that uh, that team early. So give us your third guy. I'll give you mine, and then we'll take this uh, this thing in for a landing. All right, another guy that's I, – I, I was not in on him last year, but he was super productive. Marquise Goodwin, San Francisco 49ers, Kyle Shanahan, Jimmy Garoppolo. He was productive on a bad team last year, a very bad team. And that team is – they keep growing and they're getting exciting. They're they they feel like the LA Rams. They feel like they're that team that's going to take that step. And I'm not necessarily saying they will because they don't have Todd Gurley. But Marquise Goodwin at 84, he's another guy that's super late. Maybe you took running backs early. Maybe you're looking to pick a good flex rotation guy, your first or second guy off your bench, and he he could easily put up a wide receiver two numbers half of the season. You know, I mean, he's just that's that's another one of those criminal things. Not not like Carlos Hyde in '92. I think that is that is the biggest person that I'm targeting just because he's so late. But Marquise Goodwin's another one of those guys that, when it comes to late drafting, he's he's because you want wide receivers that can hit you home runs, and he's one of those guys. And I, I like him. What, what's your thought on Goodwin, and who's the last guy that's ringing up your list, man? Well, the, the last guy that's ringing up my list, first of all, I love Goodwin. He's another guy. We talk about like that best ball special like Brandon Cooks. I will gladly take Marquise Goodwin, although he has really developed his overall game. And I would not be surprised if that's a guy that you could draft as your wide receiver three, maybe four, who could end up giving you solid wide receiver two numbers. And my friend, that screams value. I'm going to go to Washington, and I'm going to go Jordan Reed. And this guy's almost becoming you know, too much of a hype train guy, and his ADP continues to go up. But if he's healthy, so you take in his talent and combine with who his quarterback and offensive play caller is. You know, Kyle, uh, not Kyle Shanahan, that's the wrong offense, uh, Jay Gruden and, and this offense. You know, you look back when, when Reed was healthy, he had several top five tight end one seasons. And then his quarterback, Alex Smith, has produced – I think it's a tight end one the last two seasons in a row in PPR, and then I think he was tight end two the two seasons before that. Alex Smith plays it safe. He checks it down. You know, he's going to keep the ball uh, in safe position. One thing, I'm not normally big on this, but if you just want to lock up a tight end on your redraft team, later in the draft with maybe your last pick, get Jordan Reed and hedge with Vernon Davis. By the way, Alex Smith had some really nice seasons with Vernon Davis back in the day. That way, you're not out there, again, we talked about it earlier during my need theory. You're not out there streaming. You're not out there trolling for tight ends and, you know, you're desperate and, you know, you can't do it. And you can get Jordan Reed currently, and I've seen this number start to rise, but he's still at 87, which is a full round and a half safer than Delaney Walker at 70 or Evan Ingram at 62. So if you ignore the need of a tight end and you're looking for someone in that seventh round range and you want to take a gamble, take Jordan Reed and then a late flyer. I don't have his ADP, but I kind of sandwich him and Jordan Reed together. That's Tyler Eifert. Him and his mullet. Andrew Luck's porn stash and Tyler Eifert's mullet. Those guys are just doing horrible facial hair and head of hair things. But good for those guys. Uh, Jerry, anything else you want to add before I start wrapping this thing up? You name the two guys that I always take if I wait. 
Jordan Reed and Tyler, it's like you said earlier, when you're later in the draft, don't go for the guy that's going to get you seven points. Go for the guy that'll get you 18 points, potentially. That's And Jordan Reed's one of those guys. I mean, at 95, how many guys are you really going to get that are going to be super impactful week in and week out? Jordan Reed could potentially be, if he's healthy, impactful week in and week out. And he could put I mean, up top three, top three at the position numbers. Easy. If he stays healthy and plays 14 games, there's no reason why he couldn't be in the top two to four, depending on how the other guys shake out health-wise. Yeah, a couple of years ago, we were talking about him and Jimmy Graham in New Orleans like they were going to be the next Gronk. So if he plays, yeah, definitely. He's a he's one of those shots, one of those lottery tickets that's perfect at his ADP right now. I, I like that term, lottery tickets, because you don't have to invest a lot in them, but the rewards can be huge, although you know the uh, the odds are stacked against you. Well, listen, I'm so happy to have a co-host. I'm glad that it's Jerry. He and myself are super excited to get you guys kicked off the regular season. The regular season, as we record this, is 23 days away. We have got a full slate for you. We are going to have a good season. So, uh, But this Friday, we have a bonus episode for you. It is called Rock Out With Your Mock Out. And it is... Un- yeah, we got to be careful. you got to play to the censors. We are a family podcast for the most part. And a lot of guys do mock drafts where it's them maybe that all the hosts have a team and then the ad the adp auto draft does the rest well i was able to team up with 12 amazing well 11 because i'm not that amazing but 11 amazing people and you know i had jerry jerry drafted number one overall i had kevin wheeler at ff underscore wheeler he is uh, in the Fantasy Pro's top 10 draft rankers from last year. So if you're looking for a good follow during this redraft season, Wheeler is definitely the one. Uh, good friend of the show, Kyle, at Kyle FF Fellas from the Fantasy Football Fellas. They are my redraft show of record. I don't have a lot of time now that I'm doing more podcasts, but I still listen to the fellas every single, every single week. They're dropping four bombs on you a week. I think they leave Wednesday alone because that's our day, and that's what friends are for. Number four is a gentleman named Don. Uh, Petrillo, I hope I pronounced that co- correctly, but he's a member of the fantasyhotread.com, and you can find him at Envision FF. Then our buddy Nick, who is one third of the Beer Fueled Fantasy Football Podcast at Beer Fueled FF, he was in the five spot. Then old two time guest of the Dynasty Warzone, Nate Pilmer at Dynasty Dog, was in the sixth spot. Nate's one of the co hosts on the Goat District. And then Seth. Kyle's tag team partner over there at the Fantasy Football Fellas, at Seth FF Fellas, was in seven. Then yours truly was in the eight spot. And then uh, my my best dynasty or fantasy football friend, just, he's my son's godfather and everything in between, my buddy Jim, at Jim Slade, says he drafted number nine, the host of the Goat District podcast, JD, at Goat District. Uh, he drafted 10th. Uh, good friend John Labe of the Gridiron Scholars drafted 11th uh, at Gridiron, S-C-H-O-L, 91. And then Sal. Everybody loves Sal. He hosted the Podothon of Doom, the uh, the Podomania running wild, the 24-hour Podathon that raised money for the Scott Fishbowl. Sal, he and his buddies, they, they do the at FF Funhouse, and you can find him at Lito Sal, at L-E-T-O Sal. So, that's what it is, that's who it is, when it is, is this Friday. And if you just go ahead and go over to iTunes, Podbean, Stitcher, find the tweet at DFF Memphis or at Dynasty Warzone or at Jerry Sin DFF, you can find all this. Just subscribe and you won't miss it. You're listening to this on Wednesday, hopefully. And why are we doing it? Because mock drafts are fun. And it gave so me, fun. It gave, yeah, man, it gave me a reason to get 12 good people together and just talk a little bit about football. This episode is a cluster. You've been warned, so I want to prep you for it. It's a, it's a mock draft, redraft style, one QB, two running backs, two wide receivers, one tight end, one kicker, one defense, and I will post pictures of all these teams on Twitter on Friday. So on behalf of Jerry, Jerry, say goodnight to these good people. Later. All right, guys. So thank you so much. We will catch you guys on Friday, and then we'll be back next week with some more redraft news. Thanks, guys.